0: Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing.
1: Got some day baseball happening today. We'll get you up to date on that one. Watching my twins and our next guest, Indians, at least from where he's at up in Cleveland, doing battle. Both teams sitting with 500 records at 7-7. Seven and seven. Ken Silverstein, the defending AL champions, Got off to a great start, and since then, it's uh, been up and down until they finally got to target field.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because the Twins did a pretty good job against uh, a team that came about an inch from winning a World Series last October, early November, against the uh, the Cubbies. And uh, if my memory serves me correct, I think the Indians had a one-game differential. meaning They won one more game than the Twins did last year head-to-head, but... Uh, rain out last night, this is going to be a three-game series. We'll make that game up later on in the year. And uh, the Indians have won the first two, and we'll see what happens uh, today. But uh, the Twins usually play them pretty tough. They don't have the same talent level at this mm-hmm. point, but the um, Twins are feisty. And the biggest problem is pitching. And uh, it's been that way for the last few years. Uh, you know, the, the Frankie Viola days are long gone. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that.
1: No sweet music up in Minnesota right now, that is No sweet
2: music, you're right about that. Thank you, beat the
1: pitch. You're you're talking uh, my style there. That's uh, what I started to fall in love with baseball, that 87 Twins team. So you're going right to uh, my wheelhouse right there. Well, uh, what about the Indians? Uh, Looking at this team, I, I watched them that first series of the year, and I said this team's the best team in baseball. It's not even close. They looked incredibly good. You add Edwin and Carnacion. you get Michael Brantley back for a full year, you get Salazar and Carrasco back healthy. They're 500 right now. It's so early you don't want to overreact. But is there anything in the American League Central that would make you nervous about this Indians team, or do you think, like I do, that they're going to run away and hide?
2: No, they're going to run away and hide eventually. I I saw them this past weekend. They were homies uh, for the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers took two out of three, but that was a huge series for the Tigers because, again, last year, the Indians just manhandled the Tigers head-to-head. It was 14 wins for Cleveland and four Ooh. for Detroit. And quite frankly, if you look at the head-to-head games and the scores themselves and the 14 wins by Cleveland over the Tigers last year, I mean, there were some big blowouts. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, they're going to win the division. Um, are they the best team in the American League? I think on paper they got a shot to be. Um, I still think Boston... And Boston will make a move before the trading deadline on July 31st to either add another bat, add a bullpen guy, maybe add a starter. Whatever they need, Dave Dombrowski, a former Tiger GM now with the Red Sox, will make that kind of move. The Indians will not be able to do it uh, financially, and I think that'll be if they make the right move, and I think they will because I think Dombrowski does a really good job. Uh, that could be the difference in the Red Sox beating the Indians in October. But, again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves uh the Indians are gonna win this division pretty easily. Uh they have the best starting pitching, they have the best back end bullpen, um, they are the best yeah, along with Detroit, they probably they have the best starting lineup. Uh the problem for Detroit is the lineup is aging right in front of our eyes. Mickey Cabrera in Kinsler, Victor Martinez is nearly forty if he's not already. So uh the Indians are younger, uh more athletic, and so yeah, the Indians are going to win the division. I said before the season began, I think they'd win it between 8 and 10 games. I'll stick to my guns there.
1: Yeah, it feels that way. I'm right there with you. I just love the makeup of this team and, and what they accomplished last year. And, you know, we kind of saw it with the Cubs. Sometimes after a World Series appearance, it it takes a little while to get revved up. It takes a while after, you know, the high of playing in a World Series and the excitement. No, one when you look up and it's April 20th, we still got, what, we played 13, 14 games, we got... 130, uh, 148 of these things still to play. It's a grind, and it's difficult to get excited each and every day.
2: Well, I think that's part of it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think also for the first time in a very long time, they are the hunted. They don't come to town and sneak up on anybody anymore, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, They go to Minnesota. They go to Detroit. They go to Kansas City, wherever. Uh, Everybody knows who they are, what they are, and so they don't uh, sneak into town uh, real quietly. And because of that, uh, I think they're, they're getting used to it. I talked to a couple of their guys on the getaway day Sunday afternoon just a few days ago, and they kind of downplayed it. But I did talk to one veteran guy on the team who did say, yeah, you know what, um, we are the hunted. The Red Sox are the hunted, the elite teams in the American League, even the Yankees. He said, look, Yankees aren't the normal Yankees. You know, this is not a team that's going to win a World Series. But they are the Yankees, so they don't sneak in the town on anybody, okay, uh, we're the same way right now. We were we were 6-6, okay, when the rain came, okay, in the seventh game of the World Series, okay, we were this close. Thank you, Rajay Davis, for hitting a two-run homer just over the left, left field pole, uh, left field fence, to, um, to tie it at 6 They would eventually lose it uh, to the Cubs the next innings. The bottom line is they were close, very close, And because of that, they now know they are the hunted, and they're just going to have to deal with it. And I think they will. I don't think it's that big a deal, but it is a factor.
1: We're talking with Ken Silverstein with us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. We'll uh, get into a little NBA conversation, talk about the Cavs as they get ready for Game 3 a little bit later on. But before that, uh, basketball. And uh, we talked a bit last week. Michigan State gets uh, their boy back. And are, are you in conversations about reconciling with Tom Izzo? Because He's going to have a heck of a team next year.
2: Yeah, he's going to be really, really good. And I'm already, uh, uh, let's put it this way. Right, let's see, what word do I want to use here? Let's just put it this way. I may be crawling to East Lansing, okay, <laughs> to, to make good in front of the altar, better known as Tom Izzo's throne. Uh, yeah, they're going to be very, very good. Uh, look, as long as Izzo is around, and I don't know how long he's going to coach. He's going to coach at least a few more years, he's not 30 anymore, that's for sure, but he's going to coach a few more years. There's still, or maybe a better way of saying it, they're always going to be, if not number one, the number two team to be. Yes, Wisconsin's going to be in the mix every year. I think that's pretty fair to assume. Um, I have a lot of faith in Coach Miller. I think Indiana's going to turn it around and become Indiana. Uh, once again, it may take more than one more year, but I think within two, I think Indiana will be back as a big boy in this conference. So, you know, Purdue's having a nice run right now. So those are some that come to mind. Um, I like Iowa. I think they had a nice year with a lot of young guys. And depending on, you know, what they bring in and how well those youngsters can, uh, you know, transition into being hopefully part of an eight, nine-man uh, rotation, whatever Coach Fran will work with, like Iowa's knocking on the door. But, yeah, until – Until Israel leaves, Michigan State is going to be, if not number one, number one A in the Big Ten. And, you know, it's a lot like football. You know, the big boys are in the east uh, in no particular order. I think everybody knows who the big three are, Mm -hmm. maybe big four, whatever. And until things dramatically change, that's not going to change in the foreseeable future. And I don't see a combo of Indiana, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and then drop a little bit, get Purdue, Iowa. I think Illinois, I think Brad Underwood is a really under-the-radar hire, okay? I think Illinois is closer than some people might think. Uh, so um, I think the Illini maybe can get into that upper second tier uh, with a little bit of luck. And then, you know, let's not forget Maryland. I almost did. Maryland's yep. going to be – and can recruit. I don't know how well he can coach, but he can recruit. <laughs> and uh, so they're going to be in the mix also. And I guess i got to put them in the upper tier also. And then everybody else, in no particular order, your your Rutgers, your Penn State's, your Ohio State's right now, uh, who am I forgetting here? Um, maybe Minnesota. I want to see Minnesota do it a few years consecutively before I give coach young Patino a lot of love. So let's hope it's a better conference next year. It had a nice run in March Madness just the opposite of what it was like during the regular season. But, uh, yeah, with Izzo hanging around, um, it's pretty fair to say that they are the team to beat, if not every year, pretty much every year in the Big Ten.
1: Well, and I think the argument can be made, Ken, that you look at the next season, there was the conversation of 10, maybe 11 teams from the ACC getting into the tournament. I think the Big Ten has a chance for that. you got upper-level teams starting with Michigan State, Minnesota is going to be incredibly good. Northwestern is going to be up there. But the depth of the conference as well, where you might have a lot of teams packed there in the middle, and if they do their work in the non-conference, schedule smart, win the games you're supposed to, maybe have a big victory or two in there, we could be talking about eight, nine, maybe ten teams make it. I think there's that much depth this year in the Big Ten.
2: Well, it comes down to exactly what you said. Um, Recruiting the right guys, okay, Having them make the transition as quickly as possible, but I think the key thing you said in, in the question is those non-conference wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to beat not only the teams you should beat, and you need to beat them, if not decisively, whatever the tier below decisively is. And then at the same time, um, you got to pull an upset or two. You got to have a, you got somebody in the conference, a couple teams in the conference, win some marquee games where nationally they go, whoa, look what Indiana did or look what Iowa did or look what, uh, oh, my goodness, Ohio State actually won a game they're supposed to win or, <laughs> or not win, whatever. Uh, win some games that just jump off the page, okay? Now, how many of those do you need to win? that's debatable. I'd have to look at every team, every non-conference schedule, take the patsies, the cupcakes out of the way, mm-hmm. look at X amount of games and say, okay, how many of these more marquee games, do they need to win in the conference? At this point, I don't know because I haven't done my homework in that depth for 17-18 college hoop season, but I think we both agree there needs to be at least a few of those, whatever, a few equals, that nationally the punditry looks at and goes, wow, look what the Big Ten's doing. They just won that game. Oh, okay, two nights later they beat this team. That's what needs to occur. And then what you're talking about is a deep conference Okay, with the big boys doing what they're supposed to do, but the middle of the pack, winning when it's all said and done, playing 500 or maybe a game above, and the view of the conference is nationally is really, really good, then all of a sudden the numbers that you're talking about, more than seven, eight-ish, then uh, come Selection Sunday in, what, I guess March of 18, become much more doable.
1: Talking with Ken Silverstein on the Draft House Fifty Hotline, so we talk a little Big Ten with Ken. Uh, let's uh, jump over to the football side of things. You mentioned the the Big Three or Four in the East with what's happening with Michigan State, and after last year the disastrous three and nine, what Mark D'Antonio did five years out of six winning eleven plus games, it, it's absolutely incredible. But with Penn State's resurgence, with Michigan's resurgence, and and what Ohio State is. Are those days over, and, and could it be over quickly for him as well in East Lansing with everything going on?
2: Wow, that's a great question. And one I've, I've thought about, look, he's got a lot of cachet because of what you just mentioned, a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. And he's got wins uh, against the likes of Ohio State. He's beaten them, what, he beat them in a Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis, he beat them in 15, he almost beat them this past year. Um, uh, he's had a great run against Michigan, okay, no no doubt about that. Um, if he has another sub 500 year, um, I don't think he's in trouble because of everything I just mentioned and what you're hinting at. But um, people are going to start poking around the edges a little bit. Um, if he was in the West, he'd have more time. Problem is, he's not in the West. Geography's not kind. So he's in there with Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, so forth. And that makes it real, real difficult. Um, I know, trying to think of their non-conference schedule, to show off the top of my head. Um, they have Ohio State this year in Columbus. That's not going to be fun. Um, Michigan State plays Penn State, I want to say, I'm doing this, and you may want to check on this, uh, trend. if you can look it up while I'm, while, I'm, yep. while I'm stalling here for a moment. I think Michigan State's got Penn State. I'm to think. I think that game is in East Lansing this year. I mean, i got a 50-50 chance. I think it's in East Lansing this year. The Michigan game, I'm almost positive that's in Ann Arbor.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. so I got it here I, I think uh, right
1: you- in front of me now. All right. What do you
2: got Michigan State-Penn State? Is that game in Happy Valley?
1: That one is in East Lansing, Lansing. yeah. All right,
2: I was right. And the Michigan game is in Ann Arbor, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, good. Now, I had a 50-50 chance. I got them both (laughs) lucky me. Lucky me, I must be, uh, well, whatever. Uh, The point is, how many wins does he have to get? Uh, Real quick, what's their non-conference schedule? I'm curious.
1: They have uh, both Bowling Green and Western Michigan coming to East Lansing, and they also have Notre Dame coming into East Lansing this year.
2: Okay, well, don't know about Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. Western Michigan don't have P.J. Flack, so there's no rowing of the boat. And the other one is Bowling Green, and Bowling Green was awful uh, last year, one of the worst Bowling Green teams I've seen in many, many years. So I think he's got to win seven, eight games. I think it's doable. Um, I think maybe he loses to Notre Dame. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both have subpar seasons. So that's a big game for both programs. Ryan Kelly, obviously on the hot seat in South Bend. Uh, One thing I did notice, and I was looking at the recruiting ranking, we got a long way to go until early February. So again, take this with a grain of salt at this point, but they are not doing that well recruiting wise, Michigan state, uh, or as well as I think they should be, or as well as they've done uh, in the past. Obviously Penn state, Ohio state, Michigan are all, if they're not in the top 10, knocking on the door of the top 10 nationally. I think Ohio state's fifth, I think I'm using 24-7. I'm doing this from memory. I think Ohio State now is fifth. Nationally, uh, Penn State is right around there. They may even be a little bit higher than Ohio State. because I know they have more in America. I think Ohio State has seven recruits. Penn State's got like 12, 11 or 12. so they got four or five more guys that have verbals. Michigan, I think, has got roughly what Ohio State has. But they're doing well. Not surprising with Mr. Khaki on the sidelines. So Michigan State's got to pick it up, but how do you pick it up when mom and dad are looking at, you know, Jimmy Bob or Billy Bob or bill or whatever his name may be and saying to themselves, do we want to send them to East Lansing? Mm -hmm. Not knowing what the hoot is going on here. Mm -hmm. What are the ramifications? Will the NCAA get involved? So it's tough. Um, What he has to hope for, is for this thing to get resolved as quickly as possible. Deal with it. If he loses X amount of players, not great. Don't know who they are at this point. They kept their names silent or quiet. Um, great job by the prosecution, prosecutor's office, whatever, uh, and the university in tandem. But whatever the end result is, if you're if you're D'Antonio, you want this thing to get done as quickly as possible. Every day that goes by hurts his program because he can't do anything about it because it's now in the hands of the president of the university, the board of regents and the prosecution or the prosecutor's office for the county. So uh, he wants this thing to wrap up ASAP and deal with the ramifications. But what today is the 20th of March. And I have no idea. and I don't think anybody else has any idea of when this thing is going to be resolved in Michigan state.
1: Yeah. It's uh, and it's just been so much oddity to it because there's been so much under the surface, so much you don't hear about. It's, mm-hmm. it's been uh, an oddity. And this leads me to another question I've always wondered. We, we talk about the historic run that there is uh, out of Michigan State in that five out of six years. Can Michigan State and Michigan both be elite at the same time, outside of a one-year blip? But I'm talking about over a stretch of five years. Can both those programs be elite?
2: Wow. I would say off the top of my head, I would say no. Harbaugh's going to win more than he's going to lose. And I don't mean on the field. I'm talking recruiting battles. If it comes down to Michigan and Michigan State, Michigan is going to win the kid out of state for sure. I, I, mm-hmm. Michigan State is not going to win over Michigan more times than not for an out-of-state kid. So that hurts Michigan State. Now let's get in-state. Um, I think they're going to lose a lot of those battles. I, I think they'll be close. I think they'll win a few. But I think for the top, top kid, let's, let's use an example. Cass Tech is a major pipeline for recruiting football players for the University of Michigan. Ohio State's been able to go in there over the last few years, including their top running back, Mike Weber, and pilfer him from Cass Tech in Detroit from Michigan. Okay. The Michigan head coach is a former Michigan football player. Okay. Played with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan during that same time frame when Jim was a college student. So you know and I know the pipeline is going to continue going from Cass Tech to Ann Arbor. They have usually some of the best players in the state of Michigan. Mm -hmm. Michigan State's not going to win those battles. They're just not. And when you can't go into Cass Tech and win those battles over Michigan and to a lesser extent Ohio State, then that's going to be tricky. Now, that doesn't mean Michigan State – can't go north, can't go east or west, or elsewhere, excuse me. But when you can't win the battles at Cass Tech, which is arguably, if not the best, or one of the elite football programs in Michigan, then that's a problem. And that's not going to change. And the only reason Ohio State was able to get in there over the last few years and, and pilfer some starters was that Hope was down, Michigan was down, and Ohio State was able to slide in there and grab a couple kids. Not a lot. One kid, max two a class, usually one, but they were able to cherry-pick who they wanted, and they got a kid out, and a couple of them have been starters over the last couple years, including Mike Weber, who again will be the starting tailback uh, this year for Ohio State. Now that Harbaugh's in, it's now, I wouldn't say it's impossible for Ohio State, but it's become more difficult. I think now for them, they'll get a kid every maybe three or four years at a Cass Tech where beforehand when Brady Hope was coaching and they weren't winning 11, 12 games a year, okay, then, uh, you know, they were able to get in there and and do their, do their thing. So yeah, to answer your question, it's, it's difficult. I'll tell you another area, Michigan State's been able to recruit the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's a very, very good, hotbed for high school football. And two, Ohio State can't take every kid, so they're very choosy. Okay, And if you're not a four-star or five-star, Urban Meyer ain't going to look at you for the most right. part. Yep. Plus, it's a very unique situation. Choosing mothers choose, remember the peanut butter <laughs> right. commercial. That's the way he views things. And he's able to do it because he's got three national titles. Okay. So there are a lot of kids in the Cincinnati area who – a marginal Ohio State. They're a marginal Michigan. Kentucky wants them. Indiana wants them. Michigan State's able to come in over the years. Mark used to be an assistant coach at Ohio State. He was the defensive coordinator when they won the national championship in 02, when they beat Miami of Florida in the desert. Okay. Long and the short is Mark's got some, he's got some roots. He's got some coaching connections on the high school level in Cincinnati. Now Luke Fickle's taking over the Bearcats program. He's been a longtime Ohio State assistant coach. He's now putting a fence around Cincinnati, basically saying if the kid's not going to Ohio State or the SEC, his goal is to gobble up every kid that he can in the Cincinnati metro area. That makes it more difficult now for D'Antonio to go down the interstate to gobble up those kids off of Interstate 75 in the downtown Cincinnati and the Catholic schools. So he's getting hurt, D'Antonio. At Cass Tech, he's not going to get hurt. This recruiting class from Cincinnati, again, doesn't mean he can't get some kids. He's just not going to get all of them or maybe the best of them who may want to stay home and play for granted, not Michigan State, Ohio State, Iowa, or a Big Ten school, but for the University of Cincinnati. I'm not saying that the University of Cincinnati is going to be a top 25 program, but if you have a kid who's a three or a low four-star, okay, who wants to stay home and maybe in the past wanted to go to Michigan State, worked at Michigan State or a program like that. If Fickle can sell them, which I think he can, then he's going to get some of those kids with the idea that, hey, you can help build the program, one, and two, you don't have to go three, four, five hours away from home, whatever it may be chronologically. You can stay here and, you know, go home on the weekends and see mommy and daddy and so forth. And, and a girlfriend,
1: another guy that's done a good job of that, and going into Cincinnati has been Mark Stoops down at Kentucky. He's no know, doubt. been yeah, able he's to sell those well. guys. Hey, you can stay exactly. close to home, but you can play SEC football, and as a league, right. made them somewhat relevant. Still not as good yeah, and, as uh, many people. The same just think, it.
2: Trent. It's the same thing. It's guys that Ohio State yep. doesn't want. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And there's so many players. Like if if I was if I was working for a Big Ten program or a mid level. Uh, let's say, um, I don't know, a mid-level program like, uh, mm, let me think of somebody regionally who would not be a Mid-American Conference school. Well, you know, Purdue. Purdue yeah. is a great example. Yeah, yeah. Purdue needs to be sitting at the Cincinnati airport, which is on the Kentucky side. It is, yeah. Getting in their car, driving across the Ohio River, playing a flag in downtown Cincinnati in the Catholic schools and the, uh, the public schools, and basically battling Kentucky, University of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Indiana, for the kids that are not going to go to Ohio State or Michigan or someone of that stature, okay? There are so many of them. And um, Kentucky's done a tremendous job over the last few years of scooping up those kids. Um, Michigan State has done it. Now with UC having what I think is the guy who's so well connected in Ohio high school football because he played at Ohio State, he's been an assistant coach there forever, um, he's recruited Cincinnati, he knows that area, he knows these high school coaches, and, and Trent, so much of this, and Coach Ferentz can talk about this, or no matter who, it doesn't make a difference. The, the connections with the high school coaches, whether it's in-state or regionally, is so, so important. Yep. Everyone looks at mom and dad, and you're right, mom and dad are important, okay? No doubt about it, okay? But the high school coach is as important and in some occasions if it's a split family or maybe dad's not there or mom's not there or maybe even worse where there are no maybe they're living with a grandparent or so forth, that high school coach is so, so important in the recruitment of whomever I'm thinking of. And so whether you're at Kentucky or Purdue or anywhere, okay, you gotta work these you gotta work these high school coaches. And the more you've been with a program the more relationships you have, the longer you've been knocking on their door and having lunch with them and et cetera, et cetera, and doing the schmooze job, that really, really helps. Kentucky's done a good job there. Michigan State, which is where we started this conversation, they've done a real good job in that Cincinnati uh, metro area. And, uh, look, all programs have their sweet spots, okay, where they can go to uh, in in a need – or they are really looking at a really good, talented kid and be able to work that area because they, they have just worked that area for years. They know these coaches. They've had success with their kids. Um, the high school coach feels confident sending the kids there. They, they like the stability of the program, like in Iowa, because Coach Kirk's been there forever. Okay, these are major advantages for these type of programs. So it helps Kirk Ferentz. It helps Mark D'Antonio. Whatever. It helps all these coaches. When you have turnover, like Purdue, um, well, Indiana's got a new coach now, yep. Illinois, this will be, what, his second year uh, for Lovie Smith, it makes it more difficult because you compete against programs where these guys have been there forever. Or if they haven't been there, the assistant coach recruiting that area has been there forever. So it's an uphill climb. So long and short is Antonio is getting hurt by Harbaugh, at Cass Tech and elsewhere, and other areas where he's had success.
1: <clears throat> Ken Silverstein with mm-hmm. us on the Draft House 50 hotline. Ken, will uh, roll out with a little NBA talk. The Cavs up 2-0, uh, but uh, craziness going on. Boston's down 2 nothing here. Uh, Milwaukee won game one against Toronto. How's the conversation in Cleveland right now with the Cavs?
2: Well, I think there's still some concern. Uh, I was at both home games. They were very fortunate in Game 1. If C.J. Miles hits a jump shot, they lose. Second game, they played a little bit better, but still blew a big lead in the fourth quarter. We were able to hang on. Tonight is Game 3, 6 o'clock Central Time uh, at uh, at Conceico. We'll see. I think if you're the Cavs, you you obviously would love to sweep. I don't think they will. I think they'd like to get one of these two. I'm not sure it really makes a difference which one, if it's mm-hmm. tonight or Sunday afternoon, which is a noon tip-off. Uh, CST. I think if they go up 3-1, they'll wrap it up Tuesday night here next week at home in five. I have the Cavs winning in six, so we'll see. I can tell you this, even though they won't say it, privately they are ecstatic with what the Celtics are doing. They think this is the greatest thing in the world because <laughs> if the Celtics lose, Cavaliers then as the number two seed all of a sudden become the number one seed and now have home court the rest of the way through the East. The team to beat, I think, at this point, the team that's playing the best are the Wizards, Washington. They are two up on Atlanta. I think they're going to sweep them. At worst, it'll be five. Atlanta then will take on, uh, what, they would end up taking on either Chicago or Boston. We'll assume right now it will be Chicago. I think Washington will beat the Bulls. You know, the Bulls are playing well. How about John Rondo all of a sudden looking... (laughs) Like a player all of a sudden. Where has this been the last couple of years?
1: Ponce de Leon and him a, must have got together and found the unit. I don't the unit. know.
2: I think it's a, well, you know what it is? It's a Boston thing. I think he sees those green and white unis. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I remember when I wore these colors. I was pretty good when I wore these <laughs> right. colors. Okay, so uh, whatever it is, if it's that or more, um, right now it looks like it's going to be Washington and Cleveland. And surprise, surprise, I have the Wiz advancing at this point. Mm-hmm. Objective change. But I'd say the Wiz will beat the Cavaliers and will take on Golden State, and Golden State will beat the Wiz probably in five. I'll give them one game. Um, Assuming the big four are healthy for Golden State, I don't see anybody uh, winning more than maybe if Cleveland plays at their best. Cleveland might get two, might get two. I don't see anyone else. I see the Wiz being the second-best team in the East. I think they get one win. Against uh, Golden State. Uh, and I think if Golden State wins this title, which they should, and that'll be two and three years, if they're able to hold on to the Big Four, we'll assume they can. Uh, I don't see any reason why they are not going to win. That'd be two and three. I, I I could see them winning another two, three titles in the next four or five years. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, because the Cavaliers are going to be old. I mean, they're getting old right now. LeBron will be done, Kyrie will be, you know, getting older, Love will be getting older. Um, You know, Maybe Boston, with all these first-round draft picks, if they hit on these guys, maybe Boston will be the team that can challenge Golden State in the next few years. But I can't really think of anybody else. I mean, I like Washington's big three or two-and-a-half of Beal and Wall, and Otto Porter's becoming a pretty good player uh, at small forward. But I don't see anybody else in the East that – has the right talent right now and enough draft picks like Boston that can make a run at Golden State over the next, we'll cut it off at three to four years. Uh, But Boston, if they lose in round one are going to be set back. They, by getting that number one, seed, they never thought they would be down Oh two and they better win game three or they are in deep, deep. You fill in the blank. Uh, (laughs) So we'll see. Um, and the thing about that series is none of these games have been close. Right. I mean, it's one thing if you got 0-2 and, you know, a rough little call or shot rimmed out or, you know, something happened. Okay? These games have not been really close. And if Game 3 goes the same way, and we'll assume for this conversation that it, that it might, Boston could get swept. And there is no way that fan base and those players and that management thought going in as the number one seed that they would be in this much trouble against the eight seed uh, Chicago Bulls. There's no Jordan. There's no Pippen. There's no B.J. Armstrong. Hello there, (laughs) B.J. Armstrong. Okay? Uh, Fama Hawkeye. There's none of that. There's none of that. Okay? It's Dwayne Wade running on fumes. Jimmy Butler, great player, no doubt about it, top ten player uh, in the NBA. And here's the other thing about Chicago, and this is how sports is so strange. When they made the trade at the trading deadline with Oklahoma City, they were literally giving up, okay? They were not DAC. The they were, like, floating around 10. Mm-hmm. They were making that trade because they were basically giving up. They gave up Dougie McDermott and others in that deal, okay? They gave up Taj Gibson in that deal, who I thought was one of their better players. That was a throwing-in-the-towel deal. And somehow, Rondo is doing the Fountain of U thing, like you said, Okay, Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler. Wade all of a sudden is playing better than he was during the early stages of the year. And they're getting, they're getting work out of Bobby Portis, of all people, and other people you've never even heard of. And you're looking at it and going, what is going on here? They were an 8th seed. They barely even got into the postseason. Okay, they, they got in by a centimeter. But they're halfway there knocking out the Boston Celtics. Now, granted, these are not the Celtics you know, of all the banners hanging from, right. the, uh, from the garden. But it still a sucks. and they were or are the number one seed. But um, uh, they're in a heap of trouble, and if they lose game three, uh, they'll be playing for pride to make sure they don't get swept.
1: Ken Silverstein on the Draft House 50 Hotline. Ken, as always, good catching up with you. Lots of things to delve into. Busy time of year, a lot of sports going on. Appreciate your time as always.
2: We'll talk to you next Thursday.
1: Sounds great. That's Ken Silverstein with us. Always good conversation. A lot of things to talk about. We hit baseball. We hit football. We hit basketball. We hit the NBA. All over the map with Ken Silverstein. I am well due for a break. When we come back on the other side, still plenty to come here on the show this afternoon here until 3 o'clock. We got Matt Snyder. He'll be stopping by at 2 to talk Major League Baseball. The Twins have jumped out to a 2-0 lead over at Cleveland. It was aided. Well, I got to tell you about this. Out of balk with the bases loaded. I'll give you more details coming up on the other side here. Tom Cakert. also going to stop by. We'll talk Hawkeyes with him as we roll through. It's a Thursday edition. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700 live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios.
0: 1700 KBGG is the Big Talker in Des Moines with Jimmy B and TC. Noon to 3. Sports talk that rocks. 1700 KBGG.
3: thousands. Hey, golfers, Golf Headquarters, your one-stop golf shop is back at 2900 University Avenue in the Clock Tower Square in West Des Moines. Golf Headquarters custom launch monitor fitting from Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, and Mizuno will help you play better. Golf Headquarters serving Iowa for over 30 years is bigger, new, and waiting for you. Golf Headquarters is the place to buy your golf equipment and home to free custom club fitting with purchase. Golf Headquarters 2900 University in Clock Tower
0: The people who design, engineer, and build Ford vehicles never rest, and neither do the specialists who service them. No one keeps those cars and trucks running or stopping better than them. After all, no one knows your Ford better than Ford and Ford Service.
4: Now, get a $50 rebate by mail on any motorcraft brake service when you use the Ford Service credit card. Subject to credit approval, taxes extra, rebate by prepaid debit card, pads or shoes on most vehicles, one axle exclusions apply. See your participating Ford dealer for rebate details through 63017.
0: As spring brings new color to the world, why not bring new color to your walls? Ask Sherwin-Williams during the four-day super sale and save 40% off paints and stains April 21st through the 24th. With such great deals, you can give your whole home a color makeover. Your neighborhood Sherwin-Williams paint store is right around the corner. Find it at SherwinWilliams.com slash save. Retail sales only. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. The Spa at West Glen, a personal journey for the mind, body, and spirit. Treat yourself with massage therapies including Swedish massage, deep tissue massage, and the signature service from the Spa at West Glen, the West Glen Body Ritual. The Spa at West Glen also provides injectables, facials, chemical peels, and medical spa treatments including Dermapen along with nutritional services. Look and feel your best with help from the Spa at West Glen, and the Spa at West Glen makes a great gift for the special lady in your life. Believe me. Call the Spa at West Glen at 515 225 2642. That's 515 225 2642. Or check them out online at relaxdemoine.com. Dr. Heidi Cook and the Spa at West Glen.
5: See you soon.
3: It's a family membership add-on special. It's Aspen, West Glen, Town Center,
1: West Des Moines.
4: To four hundred eighty dollars for TV, one hundred eighty dollars for internet equipment, non-return, other and conditions apply. Call for details. Offer ends one twenty one seventeen.
5: Jim Brunson, Trent Condon,
0: it's Jimmy B and TC on seventeen hundred K B G G, live from the Wolf Construction studio. Sponsored by Wolf Construction
5: Roofing. Here's Jim and Trent.
1: No Jimmy B, he's away. So here's just Trent for you. Thank you for the re-entry there. Wolf Construction Roofing Studios here. Hey, question: Hook a brother up. Can you overdose on cold medicine? Because uh, getting into uh, another packet here. These daytime soft gels. These things even work anyway. I'm Not feeling like it. Says here, three or more alcoholic drinks every day while using this product uh, could cause liver problems. So, guess I'm staying away from the booze tonight. What I will not be staying away from, though is uh, my degenerate lifestyle. You guys all know that listen to the show regularly. I like to look at the numbers. I like to take a peek, maybe fire a time or two. Some people say I have a problem, and I tell them to shut up. I don't got a problem. I can quit whenever I want. I just choose not to, right? Right. But, so I uh, want to get some numbers to you. Before that, an update on baseball as we look around major leagues. Twins up 2-1 against the Indians. They put a two-spot up, did the Twins' uh, last-half-inning and uh, what are the odder plays you're going to see? And, you know, we've heard it mentioned multitude of different times throughout the years that you go to a baseball game, you seemingly have a chance to see something different each and every time. And that was the case here today. as I got the game on in the studio. We were talking with Ken, Ken Silverstein. And uh, I look over. Bases loaded. One out. And on the mound, Trevor Bauer for the Indians. And as he's making the pitch, he basically falls over. And he was trying to push off with his right leg, as a right-handed pitcher obviously does. And as he's pushing off the mound, I don't know if he got back too far, what it was, but he just slipped. He slipped on the mound. I don't know if it was wet, what it was, but he slipped on it, didn't even deliver the pitch. Bases loaded, it's a balk. Run comes in from third base. They... Tack on one more with the sacrifice fly, lead it to nothing. Then Indians uh, the Indians have just responded uh, on an RBI uh, drive out to right field, an absolute blast uh, coming through in that one from Carlos Santana. But two on the score there in Major League Baseball here this afternoon. Uh, more baseball. They go to the bottom of the eighth inning, still no score with the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays trying to uh, find some kind of positive momentum. Got it done last night. And looking for more Tampa out to a 4-1 lead over Detroit and Houston and the Angels. They play in the bottom of the second and a 1-0 lead there for Houston in that one. Coming up tonight, Midwest Baseball, Kansas City. They'll be at Texas. It'll be Danny Duffy on the mound for the Royals in St. Louis against Milwaukee. Carlos Martinez takes the bump for the cards opposite of Zach Davies for the Brew Crew who... Davies has struggled on this uh, early portion of the air. So that's the baseball scene. As we set it up, we got more baseball talk coming up with you here a little bit later on as uh, we'll bring in Matt Snyder to kick off the two o'clock hour. Also Tom Caker from HawkeyeReport.com. He will be here with us at about o two twenty or so two fifteen, two twenty, right in that area. And we'll talk with Tom about a myriad of different things, including what's happening with the lawsuit with Jane Meyer. And, uh, University being sued, wrongful termination, some dirty laundry being aired with that. There's going to be things that continue to come out that if you're a Hawkeye fan or a fan of the athletic department over there, whatever it may be, could be cringeworthy. Could be some things that you look at and don't exactly bring the warm fuzzies. You go inside an athletic department, there's some things that maybe not everybody exactly knows about. But we'll talk about that. You know... I don't have any interactions personally with Jane Meyer. But I do know people over there. I do have friends that work for the athletic department. And the reviews and the reports back that I've always gotten, not always positive. Not always positive. Now, is that enough to lose your job over? Well, that's what the courts are going to decide here. But we'll keep our eye on that one, get you some more and uh, talk with that with Tom coming up a little bit later on, and of course a lot of football as we get ready for tomorrow night at Kedek Stadium, seven o'clock. If you're making it over there, uh, event that'll it'll actually it'll be a real game. It'll actually be a game, and you know, that's a change from some of the years past where that hasn't been the case. All it is is an open practice, and that's what we saw at Valley Stadium a couple of weeks ago. Was was just that it was an open practice. Saw a little eleven-on-eleven 11 work, but overall. It was a practice. Hard to decipher a lot. This will give a a bigger opportunity to see what the offense looks like. Most importantly, what the passing game looks like. They're not going to change what they're going to do in running the football. It'll be a zone-blocking scheme. You see a lot of stretch plays. Now, is Brian Ferentz going to work to incorporate a little bit more? You know, As the run game coordinator, we saw a couple of counters a season. I'd like to see that maybe be a little bit bigger part of what they do especially with what they have. They have some athletic guys in the middle, and two guys in particular in James Daniels and with Sean Wells, big guys that can really move well for interior offensive linemen. I'd like to see that a little bit more, a little more pulling. You see Wisconsin do that a whole lot. Boy, I'd love to see that. Just, you know, keep them off balance a little bit. It's stretch left, stretch right. Yeah, they're more intricacies than just that, but still you watch at it and you're just – you're always asking for more. The run game, though, on the baseline level, is going to stay the same. What do you do with the tight ends? And now, Drew Cook, he makes the move over to tight end. Happened over the weekend. He goes to the spot where his dad was an All American. You know, you're left kind of wondering, what are they going to do with all these guys? You go through Noah Font, saw him a year ago. TJ Hawkinson, redshirted last year, real athletic kid. Peter Bacar, a walk on. Nate Whiting. Two guys that are very good run blockers. John Wisniewski, where he fits in the mix. And now you add Drew Cook to it as well. We're talking about a lot of tight ends. A lot of guys that can do different things, but is it going to be a utilization of that tight end? Are we going to see them, not exclusively, but a majority of the time go with a two tight end set? This team, if they're going to be successful this year, they have to dominate in the run game. With a new quarterback, what you need more than anything is you need that run game to be ready to go. And the offensive linemen have proved to be very good in the running game. Is it about exploiting mismatches? You know, mix and matching those different tight ends and different things. We know Font, an athletic dynamo, six foot five, great leaping ability. You know, can he do enough in the run game as a blocker that you feel confident with him out there playing 45, 50 snaps a game? is it going to lead to tells up here comes Picard. here comes whiting into the game i was going to run it you got to be careful with that we've seen them become too predictable you see who's on the field you know what's going to come with all these different guys you don't want to fall into that trap especially if you're rotating a bunch of them in there you're left pretty susceptible and pretty easy to find out what exactly i was going to run and also uh, interested to see what happens at that safety position. You know, we've heard a lot about Malik Hooker making the move over to free safety after the injury uh, to Brandon Snyder and giving him a look over there. Go back, watch his tape in high school. Played special teams last year as a true freshman. Jake Gervas now is, I guess, your starting free safety at this point. He was the backup behind Snyder. But just how much run they're going to get over there, how much they can move, and, and also the young guys that are going to be coming in this summer what the Hawkeyes can do at that point, and get a look at it. So we'll talk about that with Tom Caker coming up again about 2.15 here. We'll get into things with Tom and uh, talk a lot about the Hawkeye spring practice. Mentioned yesterday just in passing, over on the Hawkeye basketball front, listening to the On Iowa podcast, the basketball version, with Jeremiah Davis, and he was talking with Fran McCaffrey. And he talked with Fran a little bit about the future of his son, Connor McCaffrey. And Connor is a a kid that is a very good baseball player, top 150 recruit in basketball. They still don't have on the roster, in my mind, a backup point guard. But Fran talked about the possibility of him taking a year away from basketball, concentrating just on baseball, maybe being baseball only, going to prep school. I mean, these are all things that we've heard at different times. The prep school route, it, it just it doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Connor McCaffrey's already old, old excuse me for his age group. Now you're putting it off. Maybe it's a possibility. It's to to play with his kid brother. Patrick McCaffrey is in the class of 2019, finishing up his sophomore year. And today, rivals released their top 150 uh, for that class, an updated rankings list, and we talked about their uh, finished product for 2017 with uh, Lyndell Wigginton of Iowa State being up there and, and being in the top 25, getting a fifth star. But one other thing that we uh, saw with that is that he's moving up. In fact, uh, let me find the updated rankings here. I had them just a little bit earlier. There it is. Patrick McCaffrey up to 23rd nationally in the rival's rankings. Still hasn't committed to Pops. That's weird. Still hasn't committed. He said in the past that, well, Fran's got to be able to schmooze his mom a little bit to get that commitment. Good stuff there from Patrick McCaffrey. But yeah, with Connor, I don't know. It'll be something to keep an eye on throughout this summer and decide what he's going to do. We'll be talking about him, sure, and that Iowa City West team who's always loaded uh, during the high school baseball season as well. We'll come back baseball talk with Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. He's my guest on the other side as we roll through here. It's a Thursday. Jimmy B and T.C.
5: Hey Des Moines, I'm Dave Ramsey. Join me every Monday through Friday from 9 till noon. Courtesy of Mediacom Careers. On 1700 KBGG.
1: The weather's warming up and it's time to think about your spring projects. Wolf Construction Roofing can take any roofing job, large and small. Flat roofs, sloped or pitched... Guys don't really talk about antiperspirant. Despite that, 91% of Dove Men Plus Care users recommend it. Here's what they said.
3: It blocks the,
4: you know, perspiration, I think is the fancy word. It's
5: comfortable. Uh, <laughs> it smells nice. My girl likes the smell. Well, it's, it, I, I don't, uh, it's hard.
3: I think it's quite masculine. My underarms aren't the worst thing at the gym. It's kind of like the Hoover Dam from my armpits, I guess. Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant. Tough on sweat,
4: not on skin. Hey Metro PCS and cricket customers, are you tired of family plans with data limits? Check out Boost Mobile's best family plan ever! Right now, add a line with unlimited gigs for just $30 a month. Is that an amazing value or what? Even more amazing, you can add up to four lines with unlimited gigs for $30 each, all on Boost's crazy fast nationwide network. And did we mention that your first month is free for your new lines? Plus, when you switch, you can get up to four free Samsung Galaxy phones. Goodbye, Metro PCS. See you, Cricket. Hello, Boost, and the best family plan ever. What are you waiting for? Visit a Boost Mobile Store today. Offer ends 6117. Primary line must be on $50 plan. Video streams optimized at 480p plus, music up to 500 kilobits per second, and cloud gaming up to 2 megabits per second. Data deprioritization applies during congestion. Three-month credit for each additional line is $30. Max four additional lines. Credit applied at time of activation. Free phone requires port in and activation on $50 plan while supplies last. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Restrictions apply.
3: Attention, Yards of America. Now you have a holiday, too. Toro Days at the Home Depot. with The lowest prices of the season on their latest zero-turn and self-propelled mowers. Like a 22-inch variable speed gas mower for just $274. You save $45. It's the next generation of outdoor power from Toro. And it's one happy holiday for your yard. Get a fresh take on spring and the lowest prices of the season during Toro Days at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing. Offers valid April 20th through May 3rd.
0: Allergy congestion Cut grass Cat on the sofa Dust in the carpet Whenever allergy congestion